Hey everybody, this is Pastor Cor Chavis. Thank you so much for checking us out today at Truth Chapel's podcast. If this word has blessed your spirit or encouraged you, take a moment and leave us a quick review. Also, check us out at truth-chapel.com or any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. God bless, and I pray you enjoy. happening here. Elisha has, uh, in, in the chapter before, uh, Elisha uh, has Elijah, who is the prophet of God for Israel at the time. Elijah has um, the anointing of God on him. He's been anointed to be prophet over Israel. And Elijah has a miraculous ministry. And God tells Elijah, I want you to go speak to the king. I want you to tell him there's going to be no rain because they've done evil in my sight. And this is the whole story of Ahab and Jezebel. And Elijah does that. They begin to seek his life. He goes and hides in Zidon with a lady who feeds him from an empty barrel and an empty cruise of oil for over two years. The Lord sustains her, sustains them. A miraculous miracle happened there. And then Elijah, Elijah finally leaves that place and goes and tells Ahab that God would have a competition with him. He said, here's what the Lord wants to do. Because we have the children of Israel on one side and we have the, 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 the people of Baal on the other side. He said, and, and, and now you are choosing between Yahweh and the God Baal and you, you're, you're caught between two opinions. God said that he would show you today that he is God. And so I want you to pray to Baal, and if Baal answers by fire, we'll worship Baal. But then I'm going to pray to Yahweh, and if he answers by fire, we're going to worship him. And so competition is set. They go to the top of the mountain, and uh, if, you, if you want to, you can go back between 1 Kings 17, 18, and you can read this story, and Elijah Let's the prophets of Baal go pretty much all morning. They, they sing, they shout, to the point where they start cutting themselves. And Elijah says, okay, uh, your time is up. And now I'm going to, I'm going to switch here real quick. Elijah says, now I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray to Yahweh. We're going we're gonna to get Yahweh involved in this now. And he, he steps up, he builds the altar. He has them pour 12 pitchers of water on the altar, prepares it. Then he says a 60-something word prayer, and fire falls from heaven, destroys the sacrifice, licks up the water, and everybody rejoices and says, Yahweh is God. Then he says, okay, Lord, now that we've established that, it needs to rain now. So he goes to the top of the mountain, him and his servant, and he tells his servant, I'm going to pray. And while I'm praying, I want you to go look. And as soon as you see a cloud, you come tell me. So Elijah prays. Servant comes back, says, I don't see nothing. So go back, check again. I'm going to pray again. Seven times Elijah prays. Finally, the servant comes and says, you know what? I don't see any kind of like storm cloud, but there is one cloud out there. and It's about the size of a man's hand. Yeah. And he says, well, get off this mountain because it's about to rain like crazy. And <clears throat> here's where we kind of connect to the story. And we 
we miss a crucial point here that, that after the sacrifice and between the prayer of the fire falling from heaven and rain falling from heaven, in that in-between time, Elijah takes a sword and kills over 800 priests. Now, the Bible says Elijah did it. Now, I don't know. It would take you a long time to kill 800 people. A long time. So I don't know if he incorporated some help. I don't know. All we know is that the prophets of Jezebel and the prophets of Baal are slain in this in-between time. And now, this kind of begins here in, in 1 Kings 19 with Jezebel writing Elijah a letter. She sends him an email and says, listen, because you did this to my prophets, tomorrow this time you'll be just like them. I will have your head on a platter and it sends Elijah into a tailspin. He runs to the desert and he hides. He prays, God, kill me. Take me now. I'm no better than my father's. I'm, I'm a failure. I'm a waste of time. And God sustains him with the ravens and the, and the brook and keeps him alive. But after that happens, um, the Lord says, uh, the ravens don't come and the brook dried up. And now uh, the angel of the Lord comes and prepares him a meal and says, listen, you need to eat because you're about to go on a long journey. And, and you need this. And so Elijah goes up into the mountains. And God speaks to Elijah. He says, Elijah, why are you here? What, what's going on? And Elijah tells him, he's like, Lord, I've been very jealous. Uh, because the children of Israel, they, they forsook your covenant. And they threw down your altars. And, and they slew your prophets with the sword. And now I, even I only am left all by myself. And here's the part of the story where the Lord begins to speak to Elijah. It, it, it's in fire and it's in a storm and it's in a still small voice. When all that is done, God asks Elijah one more time, Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah will respond the exact same way. I'm jealous. The people of God have forgotten you and, 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 and dishonored your covenant and now, now they've slain the prophets with the sword and I'm, I'm, I'm it, I'm all. And here's what God tells him. God says, I need you to get off this mountain because there's some stuff I need you to do. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. I need you to anoint Jehu to be king over Israel. And I need you to anoint Elisha to be the prophet that's going to take your place. Now, I don't know if you have picked up on this yet, but Elijah's in a really bad mental place. He's struggling. He feels like God is totally against him. The people are totally against him. He's in a mess. He wants to die. And here's what God tells him in response. He says, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go anoint a successor because you're done. Wow. But Elijah leaves that place because God will tell him, God will tell him in that in that moment, he said, There shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Haziel shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. So here's what he's saying. He's saying, Elijah, there's some people that need to die. 
but you can't kill them. I need you to go anoint Haziel. Haziel's going to kill some of them. And whoever escapes him, I need you to anoint Jehu because Jehu will kill some of them too. But some, some of them will escape him. And so I need you to go and anoint Elisha. I need you to do three things when you leave this mountain. And he said, and by the way, I have 7,000 prophets that have not bowed their knee to Baal. Mm. From that moment on, Elijah will never have a mental breakdown. He will move forward in his ministry. And so in 1 Kings 19 and 19, we see that he departs from that place and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he with the 12th and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. Wow. Now, we know, we know about what Elisha is being called to. Here's what we know because we, we, we are privy. Here's the problem with reading the Bible is that when you read the Bible, you get an inside scoop on what's really going on. And we miss the fact that the people that this is happening to, they don't know what's going on. Okay? Here's what we know. We know that Elisha is about to be anointed to be prophet over Israel. He's about to take Elijah's place. This man who literally prayed a prayer and fire fell from the sky. He's about to take his spot. Also, we know that Elisha has some killing to do. Elijah killed 800 prophets, but Elisha's going to have to kill somebody too. He's been anointed to be prophet, and he's been anointed to take out the enemies of God. And this is how he begins that ministry. Not with a word, not with an explanation, no blueprint, no map, no book, just with a mantle. Here's, and look, God is so good. All the youth are in here tonight, so this is going to be so good for you. I know you already tuned me out because I've been Bible studying for a few seconds, but stay with me here. Because it's going to help you. The mantle does not come with a manual. Write that down. Write that down. The mantle doesn't come with a manual. I wish it did. All that Elisha knows is that the prophet of God just put a mantle on me. That's all he knows. That's all he knows. He, he, has no, he has no manual. He has no blueprint. He has no direction. He just, he just feels the mantle fall on his back. The mantle of the man who called down fire from heaven, the mantle of the man who, who, who for him the, the, the cornmeal didn't uh, die, the, the crews of oil never emptied, the man who called water from heaven, and the man who slew over 800 prophets, obviously single-handedly. That mantle just fell on him, and there's no manual. There's no directions. It's just, I know it's on me, and I have no idea what to do with it. For 
the young person sitting in this room today, I need to tell you that there's nothing more frustrating than to have a mantle but not have a manual. There's nothing more frustrating than to be anointed but not know what for. There is no greater frustration than to know, you know what, I feel like God has something for me and I really wish I knew what it was. Because we know, listen, God knew what he wanted Elisha to do. He just wasn't going to tell Elisha. That's so good. Because many of us in this room right now find ourselves in this place. I know there's something on me special. Now, I may be talking to nobody. So if I'm talking to nobody, God bless, Dairy Queen closes at 9. But, but if I'm talking to somebody, at least nod at me. There's nothing more frustrating than to know I feel it on me. I just don't know what to do with it. No one told me anything. Elijah did not say, here, here's the mantle of God. Here's what you need to do. You need to follow me. You need to do this and you need to do that. And you're going to be anointed to tear down the enemy's kingdom. And you're going to be anointed to slay the enemies of God. And you're going to be anointed to be the next prophet of Israel. You are going to take my place. No discussion. No such discussion happened. He was just out in the field working and it fell on him. He's just working. Listen, if you ain't in the field working, it, it, it might not fall on you. That's why we always say, man, get involved. Do something for the Lord. I don't care. Listen, I don't, just, just get, just because the mantle falls on the people that work. Like if you just sit around doing nothing, you ain't, you, you don't really care. You're not praying. You're not seeking. You're not, you, you're not, you're not after it. You're not, you're not actively tilling up the ground of your life. Probably no man are going to fall on you. But this man is in the field doing his chores, working, serving his father. He's serving his father, and the mantle falls on him. Watch verse 20. The mantle falls on him, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. This is... This is real catchy here because if you miss it, this, God is calling Elisha into something spiritual. And Elisha in this moment says, listen, I need to make a clean break from everything physical before I go do the spiritual. Now, now, just, just follow me. I'm going to show you how he does this. When the mantle falls on Elisha, here's the only thing that he knows for sure. I need to follow the spiritual. That's the only thing he knows. The only thing he knows for sure is I got to follow this man. I need to stop what I'm doing, and I need to follow. And so Elijah, Elisha says to Elijah, he says, listen, let me go home. Let me kiss my father. Let me kiss my mother goodbye. Let me make a separation from the physical things in my life 
so that I can go do the spiritual things in my life. And here's what Elijah said to him. He said unto him, go back again, for what have I done to thee? Elijah, Elijah realizes, man, I just put a heavy thing on this young man. What, what did I do to this kid? I just put a heavy thing on him. Elijah just following the Elijah just following the will of God. He just following the plan of God. This is what God told him to do. And after he's done it, he realizes, man, I put a large anointing on this young man, and and the anointing is going to separate him from relationships in his life. Now follow me, follow me, because I know some of y'all are thinking, well, I feel like God's called me. Should I just leave home? No. He left the ox and he ran to Elijah. He said, can I go kiss my father and my mother and then I'll follow thee? He said to him, go back again for what have I done to thee. Watch verse 21. And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. I thought he needed to go tell his mom and dad bye. That's what, he, that's what he said, right? He said, I need to go tell my mother and father by. But the Bible says that he went back and he took a yoke of oxen and he slew them. And he cooked them and fed his family. And then he said, peace, I'm out. Because I believe in this moment what we're seeing is a type and shadow of God calling you out of the physical into the spiritual and letting you know that there's something there is a sacrifice that has to be made before you can follow. Many of us feel like we are following after what God has called us into. But the problem is, is you cannot follow something if you are still connected to something else. Now, now I understand my father and my mother. This is family. I get this. And, and I'm and by no means am I standing here today trying to say, listen, sometimes, you know, you got <clears> to <throat> tell your mom and dad goodbye. No, I don't believe that because the Bible says, honor thy father and thy mother. And I believe this is why Elijah let him go back. I believe why Elijah said, you know what, go back, do that, honor your father, honor your mother. And when he goes back, he makes a sacrifice. I believe that this is showing us that if I'm going to go on a journey to follow what God has called me to do, there are some things in my life that I need to let go of and it will require a sacrifice of me to let go of those things. If, if we think that we can follow Christ and not sacrifice, we are fooling ourselves. What did Jesus say? He said, if any man would follow me, what, what must he do first? Pick up the cross and what? Deny himself. If any man would follow me, the only way that Elisha could really follow Elijah is if he went home and made some things right, made some sacrifices, kissed some people goodbye, and said, I got to go. I got to go follow the calling in my life. And everybody can't go with me when I chase the calling down. Everything can't go with me when I'm chasing down what I feel like God has done for me and what God has called me into. 
and there's some things in my life, and it will require a sacrifice. It ain't easy. Everybody, most people sitting in this room right now, there's relationships in your life that you've had to get rid of to be the man, the woman of God that you are today, and it, and it wasn't easy. It took sacrifice. If any man will follow me. The rich young ruler said to the Lord, he said, listen, I want to follow you. I want to be your disciple. I want to be part of the crew. Man, I, I, I want to come. But God knew where his heart was and what he was attached to. And so Jesus says to this man who's attached to all this stuff, he said, man, look, man, go take all that stuff you got, sell it, give it to the poor, then you come follow me. And he couldn't do it. He, he couldn't sacrifice, he couldn't separate himself from the things that he loved so dearly. He wanted to follow Christ. His heart was right. He wanted to follow Christ. But he couldn't let go of what he loved so much. The Bible says he went away sad. Sad. He went away sad because his heart said, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. I want to, I, I, I really want to learn at the feet of Jesus. I, I can't wait to follow him. But now I'm not, <laughs> I'm not giving up my job because, you know, if this don't work out, I need a plan B. Now I'm not, I'm not giving up my friendships because, I mean, even, I, even though I know that they're not good for me, even though I know it's bad influence, even though I know they're pushing me in the wrong direction, that's my friends. I'm not going to give them up. But when we come to Jesus and we say, Lord, I want to follow you, immediately there's a list of things that can't go with you. You want to follow me? Take up your cross. Deny yourself. Put your stuff down and then come on and you can follow me. When he says take up that cross, it is a type and shadow of sacrifice. It is a type and shadow of pain. You know what, you know what Elisha had to do? Elisha had to go back and sacrifice the thing that he did at home. What, what, what kept him in the field. He had to go home and sacrifice what he was doing, and it wasn't a bad thing. It was just a thing that he couldn't do in the next thing in his life. It wasn't an evil thing. It was just, I can't, it like, like if I leave this here, you know what, I'm going to come with you, Elijah, but I, I'm going to leave the ox and everything good just in case. So when I come back, I got a plan B. You know what he did? He went back home, and he sacrificed his plan B. Oh, hallelujah. Who am I talking to tonight that needs to go and sacrifice plan B? There is no plan B with God. He had to go, he had to go and, and, and lay plan B on the altar. He cooked plan B and he fed it to his family. He said, look, y'all eat plan B. Because when I leave this house tonight, you may never see me again. Mm. I think I could probably stay on this part of the story for the rest of tonight. I'm, I'm going to move on. I promise I am. But there are some things that need to be laid on the table of sacrifice. Some relationships that need to be cut off. Some activities that need to no longer be picked up again. Listen, if you can't handle the app, delete the app. Don't, don't hide. Delete it. Get rid of it. Burn it. 
Shatter it. Get rid of plan B. Get rid of the option. Block the number. Block them on the social media. Block them. Just if you, if you put it on the altar and you burn it and you cook it and you eat it, you can't, they, you can't go back to it. There's some things that you need to get rid of in your life and you never need to go back to it again because what God has for you tomorrow is so much greater than today. But you, if you put off to tomorrow what you need to do today, you'll never do it. You'll never do it. It'll always be an option. Now, now you said, now you said, now, my parents are Chavis. You know, you said that he was in the field, he, he was working, and that's where God found him because he was in the field, he was working, but then he left the field. He, that's right, he left the field, but watch what happened. Then he arose, last verse, verse 21, then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. He didn't stop serving, he just changed the field in which he served. He was no stranger to hard work. He was no stranger to dedication. He was no stranger to pain. Not if he was plowing a field with 12 oxen. He understood what a hard day's labor meant. And he followed after Elijah and he ministered unto him. What, what does that mean? Do you mean he preached to him? No, he just took care of him. He just followed along. He, you know, he made sure that his, probably his feet were washed at night when he came in from, from a long journey. He probably walked behind him, carried his stuff. He probably stood with him when he was talking to people and just, you need anything, you need anything. He just ministered unto Elijah. He took care of the position that God had called him to. He honored the position at which God had called him to. He served the position at which God had called him to. This is why early on in, in my ministry, I decided that I was going to be a cheerleader for people like me. And so when other preachers preached, I honored them, rejoiced with them, and encouraged them. When other singers sang, I was the first one on my feet. I worshiped with them like I would want them to worship with me if I'm the guy that had the microphone. I served them. I honored them. There has been general conferences where I have led worship. But my wife will tell you this. There's been general conferences where I got water for everybody and hung out backstage and said, hey, hey what do y'all need? What's going on? There's been youth congresses where I was on the stage singing in 20, 20, 18, 30,000 people. But there's also been youth congresses where I stood on the ground at, at the stage and when the singers came off, I high-fived them and I encouraged them. And I went back to the back room and I talked to them and I encouraged them. And I stood with these young teenagers and said, look, man, take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. Don't be nervous. Because I'm serving the ministry at which God has called me to. So let me break this down for you just a little bit. He ministered to the person at which he was going to take their place. He ministered to them. You, you can never have respect for a position if you've never ministered to it before. Some of y'all want to be a leader, but you're not serving the leader who's leading the thing that you want to lead. 
Somebody, you want to be the preacher, but you're not serving the preacher who's preaching now, then you might preach later. You want to be the piano player, but you're not serving the piano player now. You want to be the music director, but you don't want to serve the music director who's directing now. You, you, you can't step into a position that you've never served before. Uh, I, listen, I don't, I don't learn how much of a good leader you are by how you lead. Nay, nay. I learn how much of a good leader you are by how you follow. Because only a good follower can be a good leader. You show me a great leader, I'll show you somebody that at some point didn't have the position, but they led and they served and they saw things and said, you know what, if I ever step into that position, those are things I'm going to do because I know what it's like. Listen, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. In the military, this is a big deal in the military, and if you're sitting in here today and you've been a veteran before, you know this is true. You show me a 20-year-old first lieutenant, and I'll show you the most arrogant person on this planet. They think they know everything. They, 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 ain't, they ain't done nothing that's been to school. I would rather listen to a first sergeant who's come up through the ranks who knows exactly what it feels like to hurry up and wait. Because when he comes around, he says, hey, we got to do this, got to do this, got to do this. You jump up and you go. That's top. That's first sergeant. Sergeant Major comes in. Man, look, Sergeant Major come in. I don't have to stand at attention. I got to stand at parade rest, but I feel like I want to stand at attention because if he's a Sergeant Major, that means he's been a private. And he's worked his tail off to get to where he is. He knows and he has served every position that there is. Because a sergeant major is the highest level you can be as a non-commissioned officer, an NCO, non-commissioned officer. Now, officers, some of the greatest officers in the world that I served under, some of them I served under in combat, they were older guys who came up and was like an E6, E7, decided to go back to school, and now they're a second lieutenant, first lieutenant, or a captain over a platoon or over a company. And those guys are so different. Literally, being in their presence, you know immediately this guy served in the regular ranks. This guy. It just, just being around them for one minute, you know this guy came up. Literally, I have asked people before, what rank were you before you became an officer? Because I, I know just being around them, the way they talk, the way they administer, the way they lead, I know that they've been a leader because I know they've been beat down by other leaders and the stuff that they, know, that, that they won't do, they won't say. And the reason they won't do it and the, way, and the reason they won't say it is because they have served KP, Kitchen Patrol. And they know what that feels like. They know how hard that is. When Elisha wanted to become, he didn't even want to become, God called him to become Elijah. He served Elijah because one day Elisha would be Elijah. Who are you serving? What do you want to do? Who are you serving? If you can answer the question of what do I want to do, then you can answer the question of who am I serving. 
What do I want to do? What do I want to become? Let me serve that. Let me serve that ministry. Let me operate in that. Listen, we, we all know it. Uh, a lot of people in, 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 in you know, the business world, they don't do this, but, but, but a lot of entrepreneurs do. What a lot of entrepreneurs would do is if they want to start a business or they have an idea for something, they'll go and find somebody who's already doing it and they'll serve them. Or they'll say, hey, man, I would love to have some of your time. I'll pay you for your time. Talk to me about how you got to where you are. Show me because I want to do that. When I'll say this tonight, and I'm, I'm almost, I'll say this tonight. Our church culture, our church culture has prostituted the gift of ministry to ministry. And you got guys out there, and some of you know them, you got guys out there who will have saints in the church shining their shoes, cutting their grass, washing their car, carrying their food. And it is an abuse of power, in my opinion. This is my opinion. Now, if somebody shows up and says, hey, I want to serve you. What can I do? Can I do this? Can I do that? I'm going to say, hey, yeah, I don't want to take your blessing. But because me and you have seen it abused so bad over the years, now we don't even want to even do it. Even sometimes I struggle. Even Pastor John sometimes say, Pastor, you know, like, let me help you. Because I, I struggle to let people help me because I've seen it abused so much over the years. And I'm like, you know what, man, I'm just going to do this myself because I don't want nobody to feel like I'm trying to make them do something. Because I've seen it abused so badly. And I don't ever, I don't ever want that, to, that, that mindset and that mind frame to, to get into the church. But at the same time, I think that we need to understand that you serve ministry because you have ministry in you. You serve ministry because you have ministry in you. Listen, let me tell everybody here and people watching online. Hope There's a lot of people I want to be watching online right now. Go back and listen to the podcast. I'm going to say something right here, and I think everybody in this room needs to hear it. Everybody, and myself included. Everybody needs to hear it. I'm going to say something right now. That's going to be so helpful. You do not show me loyalty as a pastor when I'm here. You do not show me loyalty as a pastor when I'm in charge. You show me loyalty as a pastor by how you treat the people I leave in charge. Mm. Let me say that one more time. I know that I can trust you when I see how you treat the people that I say, they're in charge of this, they're in charge of that. You know what? I'm going to be out of town. I'm going to let this person do that. This person's going to do that. I'm asking this person to do that. And then I come back in town and I realize that those people who served in those positions, other leaders, treated them like junk because they weren't me. Well, listen, you're probably not going to get asked to do nothing. Ever again. And if somebody's sitting here wondering why, that may be why. Because you don't really show, listen, I, I know you want to make me feel good, but when I'm not here and I put somebody in charge of something and I say this person is running this and then you treat them any old kind of way because they're not me, you need to check yourself and understand ministry serves ministry. 
Watch this. Not position. Not position. I serve ministry. That's why I worship with the praise team, because I'm serving ministry. That's why I get behind the preacher, because I serve ministry. That's why I text my, my, my ministers who preach and teach at this church when they're done. Great message tonight. Good word. I, I loved it. You know why? Because I'm ministering to ministry. Not position. If, if all I did was serve position, I would never say that to those guys. Because they, 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 but my position, if we're thinking about position, is higher than their position. But God don't look at position. God looks at ministry. We look at position. No, no. But God looks at ministry. Ministry is ministry. And I don't care if someone's up here taking up the offering or someone's up here preaching a word. Ministry is ministry. And I don't care if you're out there parking a car. Be careful how you treat my parking team. Because when you get sassy and ugly with them, you're getting sassy and ugly with me. Because that's my team. And I depend on them. Serving ministry, not position. Hey, they're just a parking attendant. Oh, no, 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 that's ministry. That's ministry out there. Oh, they just agreed at the door. No, that's ministry. Oh, 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 brother Gary, he just back there. He just pushing buttons. Don't go back there and, and, and yell at my team because something's too loud or the light's too whatever. No, 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 no. Don't be disrespectful. If you got a complaint, let's do that the right way. You wouldn't do that at Burger King, would you? You wouldn't treat people like that somewhere else. Don't treat them like that here. That's ministry. Ministry got to serve ministry. If you got a complaint, I want to hear that complaint, but let's, let's do it in the right way. Don't go up in the middle of church and say, my God, turn this down. I'm going to give him a box of, of, of earplugs back there, and when you come up there and, and fuss at Brother Tommy, he's going to hand you a, a packet of earplugs. Say, God bless you, brother. You know why? Because you treat me awesome because of my position. You treat them not so great because of their position. And that's not ministry serving ministry. If you see it, that's ministry back there. That's ministry. And I got to serve ministry. The prayer team, ministry. I got to serve ministry. Because God will only let you fulfill the ministry at which you serve. If you serve the ministry, then God will give you a ministry. Uh, just because Elisha got the mantle didn't mean that he was going to become the next Elijah. What made him become the next Elijah is that he gave up his stuff and he followed him and ministered unto him and God gave him the ministry that he served. He gave him the ministry that he served. You know, when I came home uh, from Iraq, I... um. God had really showed me some things, and I'm, I, I'm closing with this story. I'm going to be done tonight. Um, God had really showed me some things about myself while, while I was in, in, in country in Iraq because I was really, I was so focused on ministry that I really wasn't focused on God, you know. And I was so focused on ministry that I really didn't see how my relationship with my father, who was my pastor, who I was supposed to be serving, how that, 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 that relationship was really off. And God really showed me that. And I, I, now I know he's my father, but he's also my man of God. And, and me and him were not seeing eye to eye. Because he had told me for six years, no, because it was a ministry I wanted to do. I wanted to be an evangelist. 
And for six years, he had told me no, and I was super frustrated with him. And here's the deal. I never came out and said, Dad, you're this and you're that. But it showed up in my attitude. It showed up in my spirit. And it showed up in how I served. And so when I came home from Iraq, like God had really beat me. Like God put the beat down on me. I was rebuked. I was refused. God, God, put the, God smote me, to use a King James Version word. The Lord smote me. And, he, and, and what he did is he showed me me. Because I was praying, Lord, show me who I'm here for. Show me what I'm supposed to do. Show me my ministry. And the Lord just showed me a picture of me. And I was like, oh, wow. I am a jerk. And so when I came home from Iraq, I went to my father. And I just said, I'm sorry. Like, I, I've been disgruntled. I've, you know, like, I feel like you hold me back. But you can't hold me back. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, the gift will make room for itself and bring it before mighty men. Like, I need, I need to serve this church. And my wife will tell you this is true. For that next year, I just, I just served the church. I didn't, I didn't talk about going to do nothing. I didn't want to do nothing. I was happy to be alive, number one. And I was happy to be home. And, and I was just serving. I served the church. I, we got the choir back together. We, we had practices again. You know, because I, I was at the point where I, I, I really wasn't serving. I was just existing. So, you know, we had kind of stepped back from a lot of stuff in the music department because I wasn't getting paid to do it. So I was just, you know, doing the bare minimum. Just what I had to do to get by to make it sound okay. But I saw that and I said, no, I got, I got to really serve. I got to really serve this ministry. And so when I came home, I really dug in and I really began to serve my father. And I apologized to my father. I said, I'm, I've been wrong. And I know I haven't said anything, but my spirit's been wrong. Because, you know, you can be obedient in your actions, but your spirit be off. A, a lot of times you can just show up and go through the, the, the ritual and, and, and do the things that you know to do to keep everybody off your back. But your spirit just be awful. And that's what, that was me. My spirit was awful. And thank God for that woman right there who, who kept me sane in those years. Because every time I would be like, this and that and this and that, she'd be the one be like, reason, think about sanity. And I'd be like, you, you, I wish you was on my side. She'd be like, actually, I am on your side. I'm trying to save you from looking like an idiot. And I was just content to be at home, content to be working my job, just content to be home, and I was serving. I even, I, I said, Dad, I said, man, we can do some ministry in the city, and I, I started serving the city. I started doing some ministry in the city, started putting together some stuff, doing some Bible studies. We were working. I, I was all in. I was in in serving. I didn't care if I sang or not. That was just whatever. I wanted to serve my church, serve my community. Because all I had been doing before then was just existing as a member, but not a minister. You don't have to have position to be ministry. I wasn't serving the ministry. And so I began to serve the ministry and focus on the ministry. And a year later, my company closed randomly. And I went to meet the other company, 
And they said, man, look, you got 15 car washers that you, that you manage across the whole country. We're going to give you 100 car washers. I said, man, that's amazing. What's my pay going to be? Like, I'm already making good money, but 100 car washers? I'm about to get paid. They said, oh, we're going to keep you paid the same because you're at the top of our pay. I said, God bless you. That ain't for me. And so I walked there. They were surprised. Oh, they were, oh, my God. You don't want the job? No, I don't want the job. You, you just told me you're about to quadruple my workload and give me the same exact amount of money. Who in the world do you think I am? And so I just walked out. I just said, no, I, I, I'm not going to do it. And I was so, fr I, I went to my dad. I was so frustrated. I was so scared. Amanda was pregnant with Sydney. And I was like, God, what, what are we going to do? I was trying to get Cobra. Y'all ever heard about Cobra? Yeah, that's the bad guy in the G.I. Joe movies. And it's also a bad insurance. And I, I, I was just frustrated, and I was like, God, what are you doing? Like, I was just lost. And then all of a sudden, my dad said, what about going to evangelize? And I was like, well, you, are you okay with that? Because I don't want, absolutely, I think it's time. And I wondered how much sooner my ministry would have opened if I would have been serving ministry and not worrying about my position. Elisha served his minister because God was about to make him a minister. And I want to encourage you tonight in this, in, in this series, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to finish this series ne next week. But tonight, I want you to focus on, 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 on these words. He followed him and ministered unto him. And I'm not telling you to focus on those words so you can come to my house and paint my house for me. If you want to, uh, what color are we looking at, baby? What color? <laughs> I'm just playing. That's, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that I think this church, every church, could run 100% better if everybody in the room wasn't focused on positions, who you are, what you're doing, but we all came in and we said, you know what, I want to serve the ministry of every ministry in this room because if I serve the ministry, God will give me ministry. Are you called? Absolutely. Are you chosen? Absolutely. But will you follow and will you minister? That's the question. Will you make some separations in your life that need to be made, make some sacrifices, kill plan B, and just we're just going with one plan today, ladies and gentlemen, and say, Lord, I want to serve ministry because I feel like you put inside me ministry. Would you stand with me? I think every one of us have room to grow. Every one of us have room to grow in serving ministry. Even, even myself, because my ministry is much bigger than just Loganville and Truth Chapel. Because God has given me a global ministry. And sometimes I get frustrated with ministry out there because I see everything and, and, and I want to fix it and I want to do all that. But then the question for me is, Court, how are you serving the ministry? If you feel God has called you to the ministry, how are you serving it? Stop, stop complaining about everything you see 
and, and, and find a way to serve. And, and, and that's things I got to change about my own self, full transparency. And instead of us bashing on ministry that we see may need some help, may need some work, why don't we just come to the table as a servant and say, hey, how can I serve this ministry? How can I make this ministry better? What can I do to help? I think that's a much better way to serve the church and a way to serve ministry because ministry serves ministry. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for being here. I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.